Have you ever wondered what makes not only one, but two podcasts successful? What does it actually take to build million-dollar businesses and be responsible for their success in part? Well, today we're going to be talking to business mentor Lacey Seitz, and hopefully she'll be able to answer those questions for us. Let's go. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Welcome back, everybody, to Pretty Sure Podcast. Today, I'm very, very excited because I get to talk and show you guys Lacey's story. I've been following her for a little over eight months. Can't even remember the time. Joined her Facebook group. She's such a delight for her her podcast, and I'm like, I have to have her on because she has such a different, you know, type of podcast that you don't hear on the regular Plus, you are literally the coach to a million dollar woman, and I'm like, I need to pick her brain for a bit. (laughs) I'm very excited to introduce y'all to Lacey's site. So welcome, Lacey, and thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. That was a lovely introduction, so I'm so happy to be here. Thank you. I'm very glad for you to be here. So would you tell us your story in a nutshell before we dive into the questions? Oh, gosh, sure. I'll try to be brief, but basically I used to be a therapist. I have a master's degree in mental health counseling. I also have an MBA and predominantly was working in the nonprofit space. Kind of had a a pretty big ethical disagreement with some of the things there and just left one day. And I really like had planned on getting another job at the time, (laughs) but you know, had a lot of experience and a lot of education and wasn't even getting like interviews places. And so I was like, this has to be a sign. Like there's gotta be something going on here. And so, you know, just through all those kind of windy roads, I ended up in entrepreneurship and starting my own business. But I think, you know, it's just one of those things where sometimes you almost like can't see the path or can't plan for it, but it just sort of all unfolds perfectly and works itself out. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Okay. That story really resonates with me because that's similar to what happened to me. So I literally left my job in beauty because I was like, I want to find a job in green beauty. I don't align with like the ethics of this place. You know, they don't care if they're sustainable ingredients, whatnot. I was having the hardest time finding a job. I kept getting oh my God, you're underqualified. And then on the other side for the same job, but in another company, you're overqualified. And I was like, you guys, you have to decide. It can't be Uh, one. Yes. It's so crazy. Did you just feel like eventually it was just like, oh, that was meant to be? Yeah. I was just like, you know what? Screw this. This is not for me. I'm just going to try freelancing for a while and then see what happens. And then here we are a year later pivoting and all of the things. But your story is very fascinating. How did you actually even decide what you were going to do in terms of entrepreneurship. Cause like here you are a year ago, I think it was right. Like almost a year ago or a bit over a year. 
Oh, in this business? Yeah. I've been in this business for over five years at this point. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, your story, like your story, but it was like in a year you got all the success, right? So kind of like in the year. Yeah, 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 exactly. So here you are at this point, you know, you can't find a job and you're like, hmm, maybe this is a sign. How did you decide to go into what you're doing? Like, was it just an aha moment? No, not at all. Actually, I did something else first. So I actually started uh, doing kind of like vintage new and used clothing resale. And I did that for a while because when I didn't have a job, like the only person that also didn't have a job was my grandmother. And we would go like shopping together during the day. And that's like what uh, kind of spurred that. But I had gotten to a point with that. I did that for about a year or two. And I'd gotten to a point with that where I realized I either had to like really go all in and start figuring out how to scale it. Or I had to decide what I was like actually going to do. Like I enjoyed that, but it was never like, oh my God, this is like my passion. And then around that time is when I found kind of this world of coaching. And I just felt like it was such a like aha moment where I was like, oh my gosh, this combines everything I love. It combines like the mental health aspects. It combines the business aspects. Like, but it definitely did not like come to me immediately. That was still an even longer path. But once I found this, then it did hit and take off pretty quickly. That's so cute though, that you started with your grandma. Such a sweet story. (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's so funny though. And after that, you know, how did you decide to combine what you had and experience with business? Like, did you have any business experience before? Were you just like, hmm, let's figure this out. Let's see what happens. Yeah, totally. So I had like in the, in the nonprofit space, I was a director of a pretty large, I think, you know, we were at like $47 million a year nonprofit. So I had like a, a high level of like business experience there. I also had my MBA and then I felt like I really kind of like got a lot of business experience just by building that like clothing side too, you know, just figuring out the online space. And so I really like the strategic side of it. And so I enjoyed that piece a lot. But then obviously, I feel like the mindset side really supports that. So it kind of just felt like it was the thing that combined everything I loved, which was so cool, because I remember feeling really torn, like I was going to have to pick one or the other almost, you know, and so having them both come together was really cool. Yeah, I know you're known in the space for anyone that doesn't know, Lacey is known in the space for just kind of finding her own way to do things and teaching her clients to do that. How did you ever get the confidence to just start and say, you know what, I don't like what everyone's doing, I'm gonna find my own way? I mean, I think that definitely evolved too. Like I certainly did sort of think I was supposed to do it (laughs) the right way. But then I had so many experiences like that just kept showing me like, oh, that's not right. Like this, this is just one of them that was kind of silly. But like, I remember, you know, having a mentor that kind of taught sales in a certain way and just thinking like, oh, I hate everything about this way of selling. And so I ended up taking another sales course. And the first thing this person asked us when we joined the sales course is like, calculate your conversion rate, see what you're converting at. And I calculated mine and I was like, wait, it's a hundred percent. Why the fuck am I in a sales course? I just was like making myself wrong because I wasn't doing it someone else's way. And there was so much irony in the fact that like I was doing it fine. Like I never even took that course then. I was just like, wait, that was all I needed. Thanks. And then I did like another thing for me is I like to do one-on-one, but I did launch a group program a few times. And I just, I mean, like I didn't hate it. I just knew that wasn't meant for me. I did it enough times to be like, this is just not my zone of genius. So I think that like, it definitely evolved for me trying different things and just being like, wait, that doesn't make sense for me. Wait, that doesn't feel good to me. And I just like kept 
finding that over and over again. And then kind of finally got to this point where I was like, well, I'm just going to have to listen to myself and figure this out. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good lesson to learn because I think, especially now with the big boom of like coaches and everyone on the online space, we're all looking at it like, oh, this is the only way you have to do it. And if you don't, you're going to fail. And we sometimes get into our own heads, right? Did you ever have- There's so much irony in that too, right? Because it's like, if we look at like so many of the businesses that like so many of us think are like amazing or look up to or whatever, most of them are built on like doing something differently and innovation. And then there's some irony that then we kind of think, but I can't do that. I'm supposed to just do it this way. Like it, it, you know, it's such a trap. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. It's so funny. Did you ever have like an aha, like a specific moment where you were like, I think what I'm doing is right. Like, why should I change it? Yes. It's so funny because I remember I was talking to my dad about it and I was like, well, I really love one-on-one, but like, it's not really, you know, scalable and, you know, I I might just have to give it up. And I was still kind of thinking that. And he was like, yeah, but like, you're making like multiple six figures right now. Like, what if you just made exactly that for the rest of the time you were in business and did the thing that made you happy? And I was like, oh my God, that didn't even occur to me. That's such a good point. Like, right. Cause again, it's so stupid. It's that stuff we get hooked in, in the online space where it's like, you have to scale. If you're not growing, you're failing. If you're whatever, you know? And then when he said that to me, I was like, wait, this would be my literal dream. Like if I just kept making even the exact same amount I'm making forever, and I got to do this thing that I love every day, that would be like totally good enough for me. And so he just like really granted me so much permission there. I love that. It's so interesting that you say that because that's true. You never just stop and think like, why am I even scaling? Why am I chasing the next thing? Like, am I not happy at the moment? Right. And the whole reason most of us started this is to do a thing we love and be really happy. And so like, you know, it's just so crazy sometimes how we don't like think like, hey, permission to do that. And obviously my business has grown and scaled a lot from there. But I think it was almost because I gave myself that permission. Mm, Yeah, I think that's really important. What did people in your like circle think when you first decided to start a business? That's always what I'm curious about. I feel really fortunate with that because pretty much like my mom's whole, her whole side of her family was entrepreneurs. So I felt very like supported in entrepreneurship. But what I will say and what's kind of interesting is so pretty much all of them had started businesses like well before the online space existed, right? And so when I said I was starting a business, everyone was like, well, it's going to take at least two years to turn a profit. So just prepare yourself kind of thing. And I was like, oh, like I just lost a job. Like I'm not really available for <laughs> for it to take, you know, two years to turn a profit. So it was, I felt very supported in being an entrepreneur, but there are definitely some like kind of like limiting stories that got put on it that I had to like really work through too. Yeah. What's the one thing you think that helped you scale so quickly and like change and just start getting super successful? I feel like I just went all in on like serving people. I did over 30 free calls. I think my first month or two in business, I just like put out content every single day. Like I really, really just showed up and served as much as I could. Like if someone wanted to get on a coffee chat with me, I'd get on a coffee chat. If they wanted a free coaching call, I'd get, and that just built such a foundation for me. I mean, I think, you know, businesses are always about relationships. And so I think just by like casting a wide net, being willing to build as many as I could initially, that really helped. I think so many of those people I did free calls with became clients. You know, I also took on three clients for free. 
like I just went all in and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. And on the flip side, was there ever a moment where you were like, oh my God, I don't think I can continue doing this? Yeah. I remember in particular, like kind of being naive, like so many of us are and thinking like, well, like all these people are saying you can make like 10K months coaching. So like, I'll just do that. And then when I didn't make that the first month, (laughs) I was like, oh shit, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe I'm like missing something. Maybe, you know, just like the silly things we do to ourselves, which is like nothing about that makes sense. Of course I wasn't making 10K my first (laughs) month in business, right? But like, yeah, I just remember like sitting, I literally remember being with my mom and we were like sitting in a parking lot and I was like, maybe I should stop this. And she was like, it's like been a month though, kind of thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like crying. I like really thought I had done something wrong. Like I, it's just so funny how that is. And I think that happens to so many new entrepreneurs. Oh my God. I totally feel that because that's been me like multiple times before my mom, you know, at the beginning, she's like, no, you've got this. And now she's at the point where she's like, I see you stressed all the time. Don't you want to go back to a nine to five? And I'm like, (laughs) no, I refuse. (laughs) You're like not happening. (laughs) Yeah. So that's really funny. Oh my God. And I know you have a really interesting business model. Yeah. So how did you come up with that business model? Like, I'm very curious. Yeah. So basically in terms of model, I work with clients at a base rate and then they do, we do a percentage of revenue on top of that. When I worked in the nonprofit space, like one of the things that I did the most was kind of like think about like re-engineering our service delivery models to like make things more accessible, create less entry barriers, things like that. And so I think my brain was just sort of more programmed to think about that in business. And I was talking to, you know, so many people at the time who wanted one-on-one support, but found felt like it was really inaccessible. And so, you know, I wasn't like putting all the pieces together, but I was also thinking at the time a lot about like, well, if I was going to scale one-on-one, what would that look like? So I had all these like random different thought processes floating in my head. And then one night I was taking a bubble bath because like all good ideas come to me (laughs) in baths and they just like all solidified. Like I was like, wait, I could just take, do a percentage that would make it really accessible. That would be scalable. That would whatever. And so it was kind of one of those things that had been like, you know, simmering for a while, but also kind of just like came to me in an instant, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Did you ever find anyone kind of giving you backlash from that? Because it seems like a very bold movement seeing, you know, all the people doing the same thing over and over and here you come and here, like, this is my price. I'm going to charge you 10%. It's accessible for everyone. Yeah, totally. I mean, even like people like friends and mentors around me when I told them that idea were like, yeah, I don't really know about that. That's not so great. But one thing I do pretty well is like I execute really quickly. So I think it was just nice because I had almost like, I think I had that idea on like a Friday and it was done by a Monday kind of thing. So I feel like I almost didn't have enough time for everyone's opinions to sink in, which I think was really lucky because I think I could have easily been deterred by the time everyone had more things to say. It was kind of already out there. So I was like already committed, (laughs) but yeah, I've had, I've had potential clients definitely, you know, have questions about it and stuff. But I think when I like really explain the reason and where I'm coming from and why I'm doing it, it really just starts to make a lot of sense. But, you know, I always tell people to like, some people are like love it and think it's the best thing and some people aren't and that's okay. Like there's another coach for you kind of thing. So I think sometimes it's mm-hmm. just being okay with the fact that like 
some people aren't going to love it. And I'm really careful not to like, I will explain it, but I'm certainly not going to convince anyone that they should do it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So looking at you and obviously people that are hearing, if they're not looking, (laughs) they (laughs) might hear, you know, the super confident version of Lacey and this like, yeah, I'm a badass. This is what I do. I don't care what you think. Were you always like that? I think there's always been a little bit of that more like rebellious nature in me, if that makes sense. Like, you know, wanting to like think about things in different ways or like go against the norm. I don't think I was always so confident in pursuing it. I think that definitely, you know, came with just time and age and mindset work and all of that kind of stuff. Like I think I am the biggest proponent to mindset work and very committed to it and do it every single day. So I think so much of that is what built the confidence for me to actually see those things through. Yeah. Speaking of mindset, which I know is a very hot topic and everyone has like different opinions. I used to, you know, I was convinced up until like two months ago that mindset was not something that I needed to work. You know, I put all my money into everything. Like I bought all the courses. I bought even marketing courses and I like, I have a degree in marketing and I was like, no, I need this marketing (laughs) course, like this marketing coach. From someone who probably doesn't have a degree in marketing, right? (laughs) Literally. But I was like, no, this person's making money. Like I need to follow their strategy. Nothing Mm -hmm. was working. And I'm like, Jesus, what do I need? Like somebody please give me a magic wand and just tell me how I can fix my life. And throughout the time I had heard people tell me, you know, work on your mindset, work on your mindset. And I was at the being of like, uh uh-uh. uh, like mindset cannot be the key. And I was like, no, it's physically impossible that just that <laughs> one thing will change my life. Yeah. And I basically ate my words a couple of months later and I'm like, yep, that's probably why I'm not where I'm at right now. So, <laughs> so I'd love to know your like little story between how you got into mindset. Totally. I mean, I think that what you just described is so many people's journey because like we want it to be strategy because in a sense that would be better, right? And Mm -hmm. also it's what our industry tells us. I think I was very fortunate because I had been a therapist before. So I think I just kind of had this like pretty grounded foundation of understanding how much the way we're thinking about things really impacts stuff. So I, I feel like I brought that into my business pretty quickly. And so I think that that was really helpful. So I've kind of always been a mindset person, I guess you could say. But especially like when I started, I could almost see it where like, when I look back in retrospect, like I think, like I was saying to you, I was pretty naive when I started, like I thought I was going to make 10K my first month and like couldn't believe I didn't. Then I did have a really big month, my second month in business. And I think it was just so much like of that, like naive belief, if that makes sense. (laughs) And so then when I look back and realize that I was like, oh, my job is to like keep blinders on. And like really be careful about like what I want to think and do here because I can see how that was kind of the reason I had that quick success was because I just thought I would. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really powerful that you say that because 100% mindset, you know, what I've learned so far in the couple of months that I've actually <laughs> put the work Yeah. You have to believe it because you can be the best person at what you're doing. You can be like super talented, charismatic, but if you're not doing the mindset work, it's just not going to work. Totally. And the industry kind of go like almost like 
almost puts you in like a negative mindset place, right? Because it's like, here's what you don't know. Here's what you're missing. Here's what you're getting wrong. Here's all the things like, and so it's so easy to get in that trap of like, I don't know enough. I don't know enough. There must be something I'm missing. And then we keep experiencing that, right? Oh my God. Yes. A hundred percent. So do you think being a therapist helped you be a better coach? Like how does it relate or what are the differences in your eyes between being a coach and a therapist? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it even helped. If I think about like what makes me really good at marketing even and stuff like that, it's a hundred percent just understanding people. Like I feel lucky because I have the business degree and the therapy side. And honestly, if I could pick one that created my business success, it's for sure the therapy side because it's just understanding people. And that's all marketing is too. And that's all coaching is too, right? If you really can like fully get people, it's so easy to market. You're like, well, of course you would say this to them. That's what they're struggling with. Or of course, like, so I think it just helps so freaking much. In terms of differences, I think that one thing I really appreciate about coaching is that you get to share your personality and your life and your experience so much more. Like as a therapist, you're really trying to be much more of a blank slate. Like your Mm -hmm. clients aren't really going to know like your life story or any of those things. And so I've just loved like how much more I can connect with people and with my clients. But I really think that people kind of get it, you know, confused. And I feel like there there's reasons for both and they can both help each other. Like I think therapy is really like to get you back to baseline, right? Like if you're having these like mental health challenges that are bringing you way below baseline, like therapy can really help you get back to that. And then coaching is like really to help you achieve a certain goal. And so I think they work really well together. I think some people have therapists and coaches. There might be a season in your life where you just need a therapist. There might be a season in your life where you just need a coach. So I think that, you know, they really serve different purposes, but both meaningful ones. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I think you hit it right on the nail, right? So when you were a solopreneur, because now obviously you're a team and I'll ask you about that in a bit, but what was the hardest struggle for you just being like a one woman team? Oh gosh. Or if you have more, you can tell me more. Yeah. (laughs) I think the hardest thing was just figuring out what to prioritize, if that makes sense, right? Like I think that when you're everything in your business, like you're the bookkeeper and the marketer and the coach and the accountant and the, you know, janitor basically, right? You're all the things. And so I think that that was just always, you know, the hardest part is figuring out which thing to prioritize and not making everything a priority. Cause I think that's what we do sometimes, and I certainly have had times in my business where I did that and then just worked nonstop kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just having to keep coming back to priorities and getting really clear on that was for sure important as a sole entrepreneur. And then also helped in getting team, of course, too, because you still can't have a team that does everything. And then you just, you know, kill your profit margin because you're just paying them to do all this stuff. So I think it was a good lesson. But yeah, it's I'm definitely someone that likes to work and will work hard. And so having that balance of being like, but yeah, I got to prioritize because I can't just work all the time was really important. Mm -hmm. And how about, you know, when you first started hiring people for your team? How did that change for you? And how do you even, you know, you mentioned a really important point. You don't want to cut into your profit margins that much that you limit it. So like, how do you go about that? I mean, hiring for team was a really big struggle for me, which is sort of ironic because my MBA is in ethical leadership. Like it's, I'm, you know, supposed to be like this, like 
great leader. And I think I went through like five or six VAs before I found the, like, you know, my, my Megan, who's been with me for so long, but I struggled with that a lot because I really had this story that like, no one could do it better than me. No one could do it faster. It was more of an imposition to have to explain it to someone else. Like I just was shit at that for a while. But then finally, you know, like once you go through like five people or whatever, you're like, ah, the problem might be me. (laughs) You know, you kind of like finally have that mirror where you're like, well, I'm kind of the common denominator here. And so what I had to really work on is just being like, a better leader and just realizing like sometimes people aren't going to do it as good as you or as fast as you. And there's still value in that. And like now my team does so many things better and faster than me, but like they're obviously not going to do it right away. And so I just really had to let myself go through that process a lot more. And then in terms of profit margin, I mean, honestly, same, like you think there's a certain point in your business where everything's a good idea. (laughs) Like every idea is good and would be cool. I mean, there's like 52 ideas that I could implement in my business right now. It's just like, I really try to prioritize and I try to make sure my team's hours reflect those priorities. Mm -hmm. And one of our priorities is profit margin. And so just paying attention to that over just all the ideas has been like the most important thing. Yeah, those are really valuable lessons. I want to talk about your Facebook group now because it is literally lit up. (laughs) So good. So many people, you know, it's like one of my favorites because people actually respond. People will comment. People will just like be energetic in the Facebook group. So how did you start it? What are your best tips? What has made it a success? Spill all the beans, please. I love that. Thank you so much for saying that. I, I love it in there. So I'm glad you do too. It was like the first thing I really started with my business, like in terms of like creating a a space and a community. And I think some of it's just that, like I've been in business for over five years at this point and I've shown up in that Facebook group about every fucking day for the last five years. So I think that some of it is like you get out of stuff what you put into it. Like I've just always poured into that group. And so I've really seen it consistently become this amazing thing. But I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get shiny object and it's easy to like focus on it for a little bit and then something else and then something else. But I've really, that has been literally a daily part of my life for five years, basically. And so I think that's why it has, you know, the quality that it has. I'm not saying it has to take anyone five years to do that. I'm really just trying to make the point of like, you know, what you put out is what you'll get back a lot of the times and stuff. And so just remembering, like pick something that you really want to pour into. I think the biggest thing that I do in that group that makes it work, that's different than how I see other people run groups is we really want people to like win and get clients in our group too. (laughs) I think in so many other groups, it's almost like you can't promo, you can't even have like, this is truly a thing I've heard. Like you can't even have a picture that has your logo on it. And it's like, this is not community. This is not like in business anyway. I mean, I can, I can understand why in certain other arenas, but like if I'm teaching you how to make more money in business, then to make it so that I don't want you to make money in my group just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think just making it a space where other people can win versus a space where just I can win is what makes it feel like more of a community. Yeah. Oh my God. What you said, literally there is this one group, I'm not going to name names, but one of the (laughs) biggest people, you know, in the entrepreneur space, they have this really big group. And I just hate it in there because literally every time you will post, 
there will be, they will be policing you. Mm-hmm. And they police you to the level of even if you don't even talk about your services, but somebody asks in the comments and you reply, you're like, oh, yeah, I'll send you a DM or like mm-hmm, whatever, I'll mm-hmm, send you mm-hmm. the link. They block you and they delete the post because they're like, this is not what's supposed to be. And I'm like, I'm not promoting myself. Like somebody asked me. You know? Right. Right. And I think that's so hard because if it's like we're, I don't, you know, I don't know what your ta- group you're talking about, but I imagine it's for business owners. Yeah. And so it's like, if we're all here as business owners, wouldn't it be great if we could all, you know, connect with each other, buy from each other, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Like to me, that's community, that's networking that like when you go to a networking event, what, like, why are you there to get clients? You know? So yeah. it's just like, how can we all just when now I'm not saying that we don't have to do like group management and have to delete some things and all of that kind of stuff. But I think just, you know, I see it as like our group versus my group. And I think that makes a difference. A hundred percent. And I think that's why people keep joining and loving it and all of those things, you know, because it's your energy. It's like your little baby and it's all of those things. Yeah. How do you come up with content for that? Because I know content is a big issue for a lot of people. Like just the thought of having to show up on a Facebook group and talk daily about, you know, like this is tip number one, tip number two. How do you do it? How do you come up with content? I think that it kind of goes back to what I said at the the beginning of like, I have just always served people as much as possible from early on in my business. And if you're serving your people, you are never going to be at a loss for content ideas. I And I think that's really helpful to remember is that that's like that exchange kind of like, I literally keep these, this whole like stack of post-it notes next to me at all times. Like I probably have them everywhere because every time I'm talking to a client and I'm like, that's a great idea. I'll just write it on a post-it note or I'm like, oh, people need to hear that. Put it on a post-it note. So if you're out there and serving your people in whatever way you do, whether it's a one-on-one call or, you know, group calls or whatever, like your content is literally built into that. So it's almost just kind of paying attention enough to use it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good tip. I'm going to, I have a lot of post-it notes here. I actually just did a challenge and I have like a yep. lot of people. I just took them down, but I never, I'm the type of person that keeps stuff in my mind, Yeah. but then I have so much going on that it just like slips my mind and it comes back in like months later. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was going to talk about that. Well, shit, I forgot. I keep just like, I mean, it's so silly, but it's like, I'll write on the post-it note in the moment. And then I keep just a note stock on my computer and I'll go add the post-it note in there. And then I just have like a note stock of like tons and tons and tons of content ideas. And so it just gets so much easier to use them because then you can remember the certain situation too, which for me helps me write to something better. Like if I'm like, oh, I remember that conversation with Sabrina where we talked about X and then I want to write about Y and then it like really jogs the memory. Yeah. Okay. Before we start talking about podcasting, you've been in business for five years. What is the one thing you could tell people out there that is like, if you focus on this or if you do this, or like, if you, I don't know, don't do what I did at the beginning, you'll probably have a nicer, you know, journey or whatever is like, what's your Mm. top business tip for people? Oh, can I pick two? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I can't pick just one. Okay. So my first one is like give value and serve people really well and like, keep it that simple. Like if you give one person an amazing experience with you, they're going to tell another person. And if you give that person an amazing experience with you, they're going to tell another person, like the best businesses are built on 
really great service and value. And it's also very missing from our space, to be honest, (laughs) in some, some regards. And so if you're one of the people out there that is like really trying to serve and help and give a lot of value, it will really, really always come back to you. And now I don't mean that you don't have to sell or whatever, but I do think that like so many times we take like a sales first kind of mindset and I'm all about sales, but I think if you take a value first mindset, you will get the sales. Like, you know, we can just get so focused on things like Instagram followings numbers and things like that. And it's like really serve a few people and the rest is going to kind of work itself out. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second one is watch your mindset. Like I think that if there's anything that makes business easier, it's that. And so just like putting, even putting five minutes to that every day will change the entire trajectory of how you feel in business, I think. Yes. Everybody take it from me. I spent an entire year telling myself it is not the key. It is not the key. And here I am. (laughs) And it is the key. So listen to Lacey, you guys. (laughs) Totally. Let's talk podcasts. So you also have a very unique podcast. Well, you have two. But the one I'm talking about is your coaching podcast. How did you come up with the idea? Actually, one of my team members kind of came up with it. I had been saying for a while, like, I want to start a podcast, but I want it to feel different and authentic to what I really care about. And like, you know, I am someone who very much is like happy to wait for a download is what I would say. So I was saying to my team, like, I'm waiting for a download. I'm waiting for a download. I'm waiting for a download. Right. And I'm like, if you guys think of anything, let me know too. And so our designer was like, Hey, like, have you thought about just doing it? Like you coach someone And then I kind of thought through that a little bit and I was like, oh my God, what if I coach the same person? And it just sort of evolved from there. So it's like, I kind of like was, knew something was coming and then I definitely had support there with, with my team as well. Very genius. How do you get the clients to agree to it? Like it must not be easy for someone to be like, yeah, coach me and like air my dirty laundry out there for people to listen to, you know? Yeah, totally. The first person that I invited to do it definitely like had to think about it. I, well, she didn't. She, at first, she said yes right away. And then she was kind of like, oh, I don't know. And then we kind of went back and forth and she ended up doing it. What I always remind them is like, I want to tell your story. I don't want to tell everyone else's story. So like, if you got, if you have something going on with like your family or whatever, we don't have to talk about that on the podcast. Like we're here to tell Mm -hmm. your story. And I want to be like, so careful and conscious of that. Cause I don't want it to feel like we're airing anyone's dirty laundry. I want it to feel like we're really talking about their story, their business. But now I think since a lot of people have listened and they know that that's not what we're doing now, a lot more people are open to it. But at the beginning when, you know, Monica did our first season, she'd never seen anyone do it before. I mean, yeah, she definitely took a minute to come around to it. (laughs) I love that. How do you pick the people? Because I imagine obviously with like your one-on-ones, you have a ton. Is it you wait for someone to tell you, hey, Lacey, I want to be on your podcast? Or is it you kind of like see that you can help them in a sort of way? Like, how do you pick? Well, the way I picked Monica the first time was I had just done a free call with her because she won something in a giveaway I had done. And then I had the idea, I think like a week later. And so I was just like, oh, she would be perfect for that. So it was just kind of that. And then we've done it different ways for different seasons. For the second season and the third season, I believe we did an application. 
And then for the fourth season, Allie, who's on now, her and I had met a while ago in person at an event that we both spoke at. And she's just been such a literally fan and listener since then. She reaches out all the time and is like, I loved this about this. I love this about this. Like, I want to do this with you. I want to do this with you. So she's just been like the biggest, like, fan and advocate. And so when I was thinking about picking someone for season four, it just like, it had to be her. <laughs> I love that. Speaking of putting my hat in the ringer, if you're yes! looking for the next one, you know. <laughs> Amazing. Exactly. But that's what you like. That's what it is, is like, you just have to be like, I'm here for this. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, exactly. No worries. And it's true. So, you know, if you're looking okay. for someone, putting my hat out there. But um, in terms of getting people to listen to it, obviously you have a following, you have your Facebook group, you have all of the things, but what do you actually do to promote it or to get, you know, more listeners, all those things? Like, what are your tips? So something that I've been very intentional about with literally is realizing that it's more of a conversion tool than a growth tool. Mm-hmm. So when I started it, I kind of knew like if we're not going to have gas and and a bunch of stuff like that, we're probably not going to get a ton of reach and a ton of really quick growth. I mean, obviously like gas and things like that are what do that. And also the thing with it is like, it's really hard to just come in and listen to a random episode. You kind of have to be relatively invested. Do you know what I mean? You could, you would get something out of it, but you wouldn't have context, right? It's like watching like one show in the middle of a a season where like it could be enjoyable, but like you're missing stuff, right? So anyway, I just always knew it was going to be more of a conversion tool. So I've just really treated it like that where it's more like it might not be the thing that like blows up, but I know if someone listens to a whole season or whatever, they're more likely to want to be a client. So I think that's just helpful to hear because different podcasts have different purposes. We just promote it really heavily though. Like, I mean, I think we're committed to promoting it at least three to four times a week, every week. So we just really stay on top of making sure it's getting out there to our audience. And then I think it's just grown organically by people enjoying it and then sharing it. Like so many people will say to me, like, I shared it with one of my clients because I was just coaching her on something similar and I wanted her to hear that kind of thing. So it's it's kind of just grown through then other people sharing it. Yeah. I love that. And then you started a second podcast. So first of all, where do you even find the time for that? I know it's co-hosted, but like, damn. Yeah. Well, we're so lucky because we, I feel like we just have such a great team. So like I can make the, you know, whatever hour and a half each week to record. They're just so amazing at like doing all the things with it. Thank goodness. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, once I did literally, I just realized how much I really loved podcasting and like Personally, I like consuming audio things as well. Like when I'm like on a walk or on a drive or doing other things or whatever. And so I just like really like saw the value in it. But literally with so much other people's stories, I never really got to share my own on there. So then Happy Thoughts was nice because it was a little bit more like, you know, getting to show my personality, my story. Yeah. Speaking of audio, by the way, I I interviewed Lindsay from Hello Audio a couple of days ago and she told me that you were her coach, your first coach. And I was like, oh, I love that. Yep. She's amazing. I'm obsessed with Hello Audio. I think they're freaking fantastic. Well, that's how I found it, you know, Bunjuro and Hello Audio, which by the way, total Bunjuro comment. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I feel like I should be like on their sales team or something. (laughs) That or you should, you know, heavily ask them to do affiliates because yeah. I swear so many people that you've recommended to it like you should be making a commission 
<laughs> totally. I love Montero. <laughs> it's amazing. How did you like, tell me the story about your co-host. How did you decide to have a co-host rather than just do a show by yourself? So Sarah is my best friend from college. So we've known each other for forever. And the reason it even happy thoughts even started we actually was a Facebook live show for like two years before it was a podcast. And the reason it even started was because I was getting a divorce at the time and I wanted a way to share that with my audience. And I just couldn't figure out how I was going to share that and what it was going to look like. And so, you know, we had talked about doing a live stream together and then we were like, well, maybe this is like a whole show that we'll continue to do together. And so we did that for a while. And then what happened, which was so interesting and just so meant to be is Facebook took away the opportunity to do two people on a live stream. Mm -hmm. Now you can, if you like do zoom and stuff, but it was like very complicated for a little bit. And like, it just wasn't an option anymore. And so we just kind of took that as a sign and decided like, that was sort of like the universe pushing us to have a podcast. And so then we did that. And honestly, it's been a little bit easier to have a podcast actually, because we can batch record and stuff versus like when it was alive, it was like every week showing up at the same time. So it's kind of actually served us in many ways. Yeah. Oh my God. I love stories like that that are just meant to be so fun. Speaking of mindset. So, you know, you mentioned your whole divorce and now you're married again. How do you incorporate mindset in your own life in terms of like getting what you want and all of those things? Totally. I mean, I think like what you just said, like the divorce and then getting married again was such a good example of that. Like I just realized that when I was going through that, that like, I really had a decision. Like I could decide that this meant like marriage sucked or like I was bad at relationships or like, you know, I suck or I wasn't going to find another great relationship. And I just remember being so intentional around that time period of being like, nope, this just means like I have an opportunity to create an even better relationship and even better marriage. I'm great at marriage. I'm proud of how I showed up in my marriage. Like I just was very careful what stories I told myself, which made it so much easier to get back out and dating, really like find what I was looking for. Whereas if I had said like, oh, this means like marriage sucks and I'm bad at relationships and whatever, there's no way I would have put myself out there in the way I did. So it was just being really intentional to watch like what meaning I was making and what stories I was telling myself. And I just try to do that for everything in life. Like what am I making things that happen mean? And like, what stories am I telling myself around that? And like, how can I tell myself a better or more generous story? Yes, that's so important. So -hmm. what's your best tip? Speaking of, you know, you were single for a while, then you finally found the love of your life and you got married again. What is your tip for single people out there listening? Like, how do you actually get back into the ring when you're like, oh, dating sucks? I mean, I think dating does suck. It's just... Like it was hard, like, right. Do you know what I mean? But I think it's just like kind of like stuff in business sometimes, you know, it's like sometimes business is really hard, but like, is the, is, do you believe in the end outcome and do you feel like it's worth it? So I would say like what really drove me is kind of being really in belief that I would get that relationship that I wanted. So I was kind of willing to go on like as many dates as was required to get that. I was willing to show up as much as I needed to, to get that, like, I was just like playing a big game is what I would say. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they it wasn't hard. I mean, the, I remember like going on three dates a week sometimes. And like that is hard. And like I'm super introverted and like hadn't ever really dated before because I married my husband super young. So it took a lot out of me. But like, you know, just feeling super like 
committed to that end result and then kind of being willing to like do whatever I needed to do to get there was really what what got me through it. <laughs> yeah. So bringing the fun factor back into dating, I think yeah. that is a great tip. Yeah. Two more questions every day as like a win, I think too, like, mm. you know, I feel like sometimes it's easy to be like, that was such a waste of my time versus being like, what was my takeaway from it? Like, what was the win even just showing up? Was the win saying yes to something was the wind putting myself out there. So like making every one of those a win too. Yeah. Okay. I love that reframe. Cause it's so true. You know, we get stuck on, Oh my God, this guy sucked or like, Oh, yep. why did I even go or girl, you know, I feel like a girl that's fine yep. too, but you go into it like, Oh, this sucked. Why did I do this rather than, well, you know, you put yourself out there. It didn't work out. You're like one step closer to finding your person. Right. So yep. I think great, great, great lesson on that. So I have two more questions for you before we go into the rapid fire round. One that I've just keep think, kept thinking about with everything that you've been saying is how do you find work-life balance? Because you love your business, you love your clients, but you also kind of like love your life. So mm-hmm. how, how do you find the happy middle? I think that like it's almost trying to like not find the balance if that makes – like I think that if you can make it all feel the same and not so separate, if that makes sense. Like so this is just like a silly example, but it's like if I have work that I want to catch up on, like instead of doing it in my office, I might take my laptop and like go sit and do it with my husband while he's watching a football game or something like that where it doesn't have to feel so separate all the time or, you know, like I can respond to stuff on my phone while we're on our way somewhere or, you know, I can like incorporate it into my life in a way that feels pleasurable and fun versus it feeling like, well, I'm supposed to work a certain amount of hours and have personal time a certain amount of hours and they feel drastically different. I kind of just try to like integrate it so that it never feels so much of like a pull one way or the other. Yes. Great, 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 great one. I think we spend too much time trying to separate things because again, we tend to think, oh my God, nine to five suck. Like I have to leave the job or whatever it is. But if you love it, why would you want to, you know? Exactly. (laughs) Great, great point you mentioned. Okay. My favorite question to ask all of my guests. So I'm pretty sure at one point or another, you have felt like you were alone or you were the only one to live a situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was a thought, maybe it was a feeling. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us what that was and also what you would tell other people that might be thinking or in the same situation? Oh, I love that question. That's such a good question. Yeah, totally. I think, I mean, so many come to mind, but I would say like the divorce thing is a, a great one because I had only been married for three years and I was like super young at the time. I mean, I think I got divorced when I was 27 or something like that. So, you know, like I just didn't know anyone else that had gone through that. And especially like my age, like, and I felt like, gosh, like that, like this feels really lonely. Like really no one gets it. Like most of my friends were still just getting married at that time or were like having babies. Like we were just at such different places and I just felt like no one got it. And then especially because one of the downfalls for me, and this is maybe the advice I would give is I really didn't tell anyone how much I was struggling in my marriage. And so then when I told everyone I was getting divorced, I got like a lot of pushback of like, this was a very sudden decision. Like this is crazy. Like, what are you thinking? I had been thinking about it for a long time, but like no one else knew that. So it made sense that they had this like pretty big reaction of like, oh my gosh, you're making such a rash decision. So then I felt extra alone, (laughs) right? Because everyone thought I was making a rash decision and I like didn't know anyone else going through it. So some of the best advice I would say is just 
you know, like being willing to tell people when you're struggling and like when you're in it. And I think if I had done that, they, I probably wouldn't have had the same reaction. Mm-hmm. And then also just like telling people how to support you. I remember listening to some podcasts. I can't remember what it was, but she was basically saying like, it's a full sentence to be like, I'm getting a divorce and here's how you can support me. Right? Like versus like, I'm getting a divorce. And then everyone has their own reaction around that. It's like, oh my God, or this or that. But if you're like, I'm getting a divorce and you can support me by being really supportive and celebrating that I made this decision for myself. And people are like, oh, okay, I celebrate you. Like, you know what I mean? So just like being so clear about how people can support you, divorce or not, I think is such a gift. And that helped me a ton. Oh my God. Yes. I never even thought about that. You know, it's so true with anything like, oh, I'm going through a problem. I'm going through this. My parents died or this happened or whatever. Mm -hmm. And instead of letting people, you know, kind of think, holy shit, how do I react to this? What do I say? You're saying these are ways that you can help me. I love, love, love that tip. Oh my God. Yeah. Mind blown. So good. (laughs) Okay. Before we end this interview, I have a couple of lighthearted questions and rapid fire for you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Who would you have over for dinner if you could? They could be dead or alive or a character. Hmm. I am obsessed with Yvonne Chouinard, who is the founder of Patagonia, like the clothing brand. Like I think mm-hmm. he's so interesting and I would love to pick his brain. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Love. You know, they're doing so many amazing things nowadays. Their campaigns, mm-hmm. they just keep getting better and better. It's yeah. like, how do you come up with these? They're so good. Love it. Superpower. Which one would you pick if you could? Ooh, I feel like I would love to, I don't know. I think it would be a double-edged sword, but like, I think it would be pretty cool to be able to read other people's minds. I feel like I spend most of my day kind of trying to do that, if that makes sense, right? So I do think that that would be a pretty cool one. (laughs) Yeah. Last book you read. Last book I read, I'm reading the most amazing book right now. I'm looking at my phone to tell you exactly what it's called, but it is so fantastic. It's called Unbound by Cassia Urbaniak, I think is how you say her last name. The book is called Unbound. It's called A Woman's Guide to Power. And it is fantastic. I'm literally looking it up because I want to check it out. Okay, I have it on here. I'm going to check it out. Cool. Really Favorite type of food? Oh, favorite type of food. It's a like very hard toss up between like a pad thai or a pizza. (laughs) Pad thais are so good. (laughs) Yeah. If you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? That's such a good question. I would love to go back to Paris. That's where Kenny and I got engaged before, right before the pandemic happened. And so being able to kind of like revisit that after this crazy year would be lovely. Oh, so cute. Well, if you ever go to Paris, let me know. I'll give you guys a tour. Not currently there, but usually Mm -hmm. live there. So yeah, (laughs) give you the tour. Okay. Are you more of a night owl or an early riser? I think that more naturally I'm a night owl, but I feel like I've trained myself to be a little bit more of an early riser. You could describe yourself with one word. What would that be? Loving. I love that. And last one, who inspires you? Because I know you inspire a lot of people, but who inspires you? Oh, that's so good. I mean, I'm going to not give one person, but more of a blanket. But like, I mean, honestly, my clients, like, I just think they're amazing and they're the reason I do this. And I feel like they light me up and inspire me every day. And that's like why I keep doing it. (laughs) 
Oh, so nice to hear. Well, Lacey, thank you so much for coming on. You've honestly talked about so many things. There's so many little nuggets in here from live podcasting mindset business. Like seriously, you guys go listen to this, listen to her podcast, join her Facebook group. I'm obsessed. I will like, you know, if you ever do affiliates for your Facebook group, yeah, I'll, that's right. <laughs> I'll tell people, I'll tell everyone who listen that a little bit loaded Facebook group. This is amazing. And yeah, go follow her on A Lit Up Life on Instagram. You'll find the links on the description. And if you want to check more out about what I do, if you want to learn more about podcasting, you can find me on Instagram as well. Love my handle. So at that girl, Sabrina, just go message me. Always respond. And thanks again, Lacey, for coming on. It's been a wonderful time. Thanks for all of your tips and advice. Yes, you're such a delight. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, everyone. See you next time.